0: pdpw on demand here's bill baker what songs make the musical soundtrack of your life on this week's pdpw podcast shelly o'leary shares the power of music hey everybody happy to be spending a little bit of time with you today i want to talk to you about the power of music because music plays an important role in our lives It can promote unity and offer encouragement. It can rev people up before the big game and pit one team against another. It can remind us of days gone by. And it can even incite people to rage and destruction. As a matter of fact, it can even be exploited and marketed to energize overweight people to finally get some exercise. Does anybody else remember those cheesy... Richard Simmons' videos, uh, Sweatin' to the Oldies. He had a whole series of them, and women were just raging over how wonderful he was and how great they felt, sweating to the oldies. Uh, it makes sense, though, right? There's something about good old-fashioned up-tempo music that makes you want to just get up and dance, even if you know you look like a frog in a blender doing it. <laughs> so the power of music... You've experienced it, um, and maybe you've just never categorized it, but if you've ever experienced that swell of patriotic pride while listening to the national anthem during an Olympics medal ceremony for the underdog or hearing your alma mater's fight song at halftime of a football game, you recognize that music can stir up genuine feelings of excitement and pride and reverie. On the other hand, if you've ever been to a funeral and you've heard the song Taps being played on a lone trumpet or bugle, you know the solemnity that music can evoke from deep within us. Lullabies soothe babies and little ones to sleep, sometimes their parents. Fall asleep while singing it. And those of us who spend a lot of time at a computer recognize that instrumental music often makes for a good counterpart to the work we're doing. It makes good study music and good background music. But here's something you might not know many churches strategically plan their worship and singing time in advance of the preaching. Because of the power of music, those leaders understand that when we are all unified in singing about uh, whoever we're worshiping, for most of us, we're worshiping God in a Christian sort of manner. But all across the world in cultures, ancient and modern, people are unified by singing And in the modern sense, that often means that those singing together have hearts prepared to receive the word that they're about to hear from the speaker that morning or evening. Hey, guess what? Music has health benefits too. It can boost your memory. It can strengthen your task endurance when you're working on mundane, monotonous, tedious projects. For some of you, that means balancing your checkbook on QuickBooks. Uh, For some of us, that means updating databases or Excel spreadsheets. Uh, Some of that work is necessary, but quite frankly, it gets boring. It's nice to have some music to help us get through it. Music can lighten your mood. It can reduce anxiety. It can temper depression It can stave off fatigue. It can even improve your body's response to pain. (laughs) That's quite something. Um, And like I just mentioned, I do end up spending quite a bit of time at my computer writing and editing and doing other computer related tasks. I can tell you that when I start to feel lethargic, if I don't have quick access to caffeine or a carbonated beverage, then what I find to be helpful is I find a playlist of music, instrumental usually, so I'm not singing along and distracting myself. But if I find an up-tempo instrumental or a playlist with songs heavy on rhythmic percussion, I find that it infuses me with a little bit of energy. Uh, Because let's be honest, we can't always just go for a run or a 10-minute walkabout, or even a little bit of a nap. So sometimes it's that music that we have at hand that we can use to save the day, so to speak. In fact, if we take a look back at history, we see that mankind has integrated music in their everyday life since the beginning of time, really. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis 4.21 records that a man named Jubal, was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. What are stringed instruments? Well, back in the Bible, they would have been what we call lyres and harps. Today, we call them banjos and ukuleles and mandolins and guitars and and so on and so forth. Harps also come to mind. So who was this Jubal guy? Well, Adam would have been the first generation of man. And Jubal, if you're reading along in the Bible, was in the eighth generation of Adam's family tree. So we're talking about a guy who lived a long time ago, and it sounds like he invented a lot of those instruments. Um, Here's something that's pretty cool it's been proven that music plays a role in the development of a baby even before they're born. When that mama is around the 16 to 18 week mark in her pregnancy, Studies show that that baby's brain can understand music. I guess what I mean by that is when that mama exposes her baby to music, she can effectively speed up that baby's process of learning to speak and help them master complex language concepts faster than they otherwise would. On the other end of the age spectrum, end of life is where we're talking, There's fascinating evidence that shows us that music directly impacts Alzheimer's patients. Uh, Studies have shown that music can settle down those patients who are prone to behavior problems and violence. It can help improve those issues that sometimes their caretakers struggle to handle. And we're talking about people who are even in the late stages of Alzheimer's, and we find that these patients often recognize songs. I mean, to the degree that they can sing songs by heart that they learned back when they were a child, or their parents sang to them, or their grandma sang to them, which is astounding considering the fact that they aren't remembering the names of the people who visit them every day, even if they're a spouse, or a child, or a grandchild. There's just something really amazing about what happens in the brain on account of the power of music. And I want to sit here for a little while and talk about music and its relationship with memory. Probably everybody listening has heard a song that immediately brought to your remembrance a memory from the past. It's happened to me I tell you, I love it when these are happy memories. Maybe it's the song my husband and I danced with each other to on our wedding night. Uh, Maybe for you, it's a song that was popular when you graduated from high school or your volleyball team won the state award. Maybe you were reminded of your college days or that first job you took. If you're someone who's into showing cattle, there's probably a country song or two that bring immediately back to life a specific show, a specific cow, a specific set of people that you worked with on your string of cattle. You might even think you can smell the wood chips in the cow barn. There really is something powerful about how our brains resonate with music that makes memorizing so much easier. So at our church, we have a Bible quizzing program for kids as young as five and six years old, all the way up to 18 or 19. And on the national level, our music ministry team has put together recordings, just very short songs that incorporate the precise memory verses that will be part of that year's quizzing material. I'm talking about five and six-year-old kids who listen to these short songs that are Bible scriptures over and over and over again. And they're memorizing hundreds of Bible scriptures. Exactly. I'm talking about word for word so that when they're in competition, they are ready to hit the buzzer and answer questions, either related to memory verse or recite that memory verse from beginning to the end. And where in the Bible it's found, it's amazing how music can help us memorize. But you know what? I guess that's probably not real surprising. Think about your own life. How many songs do you know the lyrics to by heart? Think about the songs that were popular when you were in school. Think about theme songs to television shows you watched all the time and even commercials. We can sing every last song. We know where the saxophone comes in and and where the cymbals clash at the end. We even can memorize songs from genres we don't even typically listen to, whether they're songs from the Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. era, or from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Think about all the Christmas songs that you know every single word to, or most of the words to. It's astounding how much music lives in our brains and allows us to memorize things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to retain in our brain. I mean, if we think about it, there are countless works of great literature, famous speeches that really would be easy to memorize if we do a word count and then think about how many songs we know the lyrics to. I know parts of some famous speeches like I have a dream or Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. But I tell you what, I don't have the Declaration of Independence memorized. Do you? I could give you a tip because I'm looking at Google. (laughs) We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's the Declaration of Independence. Do you have the preamble to the Constitution memorized? You could. It starts with, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, and la 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 la, and it goes on. Uh, But I'll tell you, I've never learned those. I've never memorized them. I've never even tried to set them to music. Uh, Frankly, I'm not even confident I could recite to you the 4-H pledge. It's been a little while since I've been around people reciting it. What I know for sure, and and you do too, is that music can trigger memories that we actually really would prefer not to remember. I'll tell you a a story. I'll try to keep it short. Um, Many of you listening know that when I was 16, I was diagnosed with a very rare form of childhood cancer. And because it was so rare, I was treated quite aggressively for it. Doctors didn't really know how to treat it. So, um, I had 13 months of chemotherapy, eight weeks of radiation and those chemotherapy, well, it was all very brutal. Um, generally I was in the hospital for seven to 10 days and, um, I felt miserable pretty much the whole time intestinal uh, discomfort. Discomfort is (laughs) a Sunday school picnic way to describe it. It was brutal, awful, and I was nauseated and throwing up a lot. Sorry to be graphic. So anyway, a few weeks into my treatment plan, I was delighted to have um, uh, some friends of ours stop by. Uh, Actually, the, the friends, Bob and Jeannie, were my parents' age. Uh, my brothers and I were um, more, we were really friends with their daughters. But Bob and Jeannie were our coaches, uh, our advisors, really, for the Fond du Lac County Junior Holstein Association group that my brothers and I were a part of. And we had recently come back from a Dairy Bowl National Tournament in South Dakota. And because they had traveled with us, or their girls did anyway, they knew that there were two songs in particular that I I really loved at the time. They were chart toppers. And so when they came to the hospital that evening, they came with three items for me. One was a cassette player or a radio with a cassette deck. And uh, those two songs, cassette tapes, they were singles. And I was overjoyed. I listened to those songs so much, I practically wore out the tapes. And what I didn't realize I was doing at the time was um, I didn't realize that after I was done with that chapter in my life, I would forever associate those two songs with that awful time in my life. And I'm going to tell you that um, after the chemotherapy was in rearview mirror, I heard one of those songs on the radio and I wanted to love it because I had loved it, but it nauseated me. And I thought that was so strange. So I had a follow-up visit with one of my nurses not long after that. And I shared with her what I thought was a really foolish example of how my brain was being silly. I said, yes, I heard this song. And I wanted to throw up. I didn't, but I felt that nausea swelling up in me. And she said to me, that is not at all uncommon. And she the story to me about when she saw a five-year-old little boy and his mom at a local mall, and she was delighted to see the two of them and wanted to catch up. And as soon as the little boy saw the nurse, he threw up all over wherever in the mall, like literally and instantly. And she said there's a very strong correlation between the music we're listening to at a certain time and whatever we're going through. And so I just bring that up because of the very real connection of what music does, the power of music and how it can impact us on our life. I mentioned at the top of the podcast that music can unite us or it can divide us. So in the 1930s, the iconic American jazz singer Billie Holiday, well, she did both. She united and she divided, depending on what side of the racial divide you were on. Billie was a black woman who, well, she took a huge risk by recording a protest song inspired by a photograph of a black man that had been unfairly hung in a tree and, um... Billy was already contending with a lot of injustices. Uh, well, she was black and she was female on top of that. And this was in the 1930s. And yet she decided to stand tall against brutality and racism of the practice of lynching that was so popular in our country's Southern states at that time, um, at the risk of maybe, uh, saying some offensive lyrics here. I'm going to just share a few of the lyrics to her 1939 song entitled Strange Fruit. Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. So maybe that's not considered very graphic, given the types of lyrics that we're exposed to day in and day out in the 2020s here, which is a sad testimony, if you ask me, about what we're allowed to hear. Uh, But when we think about the Vietnam era, if you were to Google the songs that were popular in that time, there's a whole rash of songs that you and I probably know the words to that were all about protesting and rebelling against America's involvement in the Vietnam War. Uh, I'll just list a few of them, but there's tons. Crosby, Stills, and Nash had a song called Ohio, Uh, Four Dead in Ohio. I think that referenced the massacre at Kent State University. Barry McGuire's song, Eve of Destruction, riled people up. Uh, The animals sang, we got to get out of this place. John Lennon's famous Give Peace a Chance rallied people and united everybody against war and for peace. And there's so many other songs um, and artists like Bob Dylan, The Doors, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Jimi Hendrix. I could go on and on, but I won't. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes music propels people into a very dark side and... Uh, Cult leader Charles Manson proved that fact back in the summer of 1969. He led others, including some of his family members, on a diabolical murder spree that ended in nine homicides, including one um, of a pregnant lady. And he insisted, when he was asked about what motivated him to do such heinous things, he insisted that the Beatles' hit song, Helter Skelter, had a coded message in it just for him that was prompting him to murder all these people. Okay, so, well, I'm not going to continue talking about some creepy guy (laughs) who made poor life choices and then blamed it on a song. I'm going to change gears a little bit. Uh, You might not see it, but these things that I'm sharing with you are practical and they're relevant. The music we listen to sets the tone for our day, our lives really, our attitudes, our energy levels, and our futures. All of those things impact our relationships and how we view ourselves and the world around us. And like I alluded to earlier, if we're parents, we need to recognize the heft of this topic. Our children are constantly bombarded by music at every turn. And I personally don't want my 10 or 12 year old little girl singing lyrics to a song that just a decade ago, the FCC would have censored because of its sexual or violent content. We need to make careful choices about what we listen to. Uh, And many of you know, there's a reason we sing that song. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear because of the impact and the power of music. I wanna encourage you to consider what songs make up the soundtrack of your life. I know we can't change the songs that we already have embedded in our memory, but we can certainly be more selective in our future choices. What songs bring joy and contentment to you? What type of music energizes you? What type of music calms you down when you're feeling stressed? And what genres of music do you incline toward when you just want to chill out? I'm going to take advantage of a few minutes more of your time to bring to you what I consider an incredibly powerful movement um, or moment, I should say, in our history. If you were to search YouTube for a video entitled The German Sniper and the American Soldier with the Trumpet, you'll understand the power of this story. In that video, a 96-year-old American soldier, uh, well, he served in World War II in the invasion of D-Day, he tells his story himself. And so it was two weeks after D-Day, and Captain Jack Tuller was as you can imagine, stressed out. So he grabbed his trumpet. He found that playing music on his trumpet helped relieve the tension and the fear. But his commander took one look at him and said, Jack, don't you dare play that tonight. There's one more sniper out there. But Jack said, I thought to myself, you know, that German sniper is as scared and lonely as I am. I'm going to play his love song So in the video, we get to hear Jack playing the song on his trumpet that he played all those years ago in the darkness on that cold, wet night back in 1944. So the next morning comes along and a jeep approaches where Jack is and where he had spent the whole night in the cold. And as the military policeman walked toward him, he said, hey, Captain, there's some German prisoners in that jeep back there getting ready to go to England. One of them keeps saying to me in broken English, who played that trumpet last night? And as soon as the words were out of the sniper's mouth, he saw Jack, who said, well, I did. The German sniper burst into sobs, and he said, when I heard that number you played last night, I thought about my fiance in Germany. I thought about My mother and my dad, my brothers and my sisters, and I couldn't fire the gun. And that German sniper held out his hand toward Jack. And Jack said, that day I shook the hand of the enemy. Folks. Jack Tuller, an unnamed German sniper, knew firsthand the power of music. And now, you do too. Our thanks to Shelley O'Leary for today's message. Shelly, the communications and outreach specialist with the professional dairy producers. And our thanks to you for listening and supporting these weekly PDPW podcasts. And we encourage you to have a safe and productive week.